are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 281 and 282 of Fed by Ravens. We are doing it. Yeah. And we're about to finish our 36th book of the Bible today. So let's get into it. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. I say yay. Our Old Testament reading for today is Jeremiah chapter 16 through chapter 20. Well, Jeremiah, I'm referring to him as Jerry. Sorry, Jerry. Things are going to get a little more rough for you. (laughs) We're already having to announce constantly that the disobedience and the idolatry and the wickedness of God's people is causing their uh, exile. And you've promised that there'll be actually a a remnant saved from that, so God's gracious even in his exile. But then this just seems personal in chapter 16. Yeah. You shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons or daughters in this place. Yeah. That's my life verse. (laughs) (laughs) Single people come to me all the time. What should I do? And I say, Jeremiah 16, 2. Let's just take the easiest route. Yeah. The Word of God says, You shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons or daughters in this place. Let's pray. <laughs> Dude, the Bible is so great, especially like the way everyone treats it. Yes. You know, individual yes. packets instead yes. of a whole story. So what's a bummer, though, is that Jeremiah is, God says, look, and it's part of, I, I know it's part of the... Um, Objective lessons, right? Well, it's part of the objective lesson, and but it's also even being super practical yes. and honest. It's pragmatic. It's actually the most loving thing you can do right now because basically everyone you know and love is going to be right. killed or taken into exile. And so if you have a wife, that's going to hurt. That's, I'm protecting you, Jeremiah. Yeah. But it's a real bummer for Jeremiah. It just kind of shows you, you know, he's at the... Kind of at the wrong time in this business. Like he's, he's basically alone. And yeah. he only has God at this point. Right. And no physical comfort or, or for Jerry. Yeah. And so like even thinking about like his circumstances and a lot of the stuff he ends up saying sounds more and more like Job. Yes. Probably because he's relating and identifying to Job, but also who is more lonely than Job. Right. Yeah, so it's pretty intense. So uh God goes on to say, look... At least he doesn't have a wife accusing him. And he's saying... <laughs> wow. <laughs> like Job. <true. laughs> That's true. Yeah, you're right. Oh, okay, I thought you were just... No, no. Had a personal note there. No, no, no. Uh, no, you're right. And that's pretty funny. He's, but God says, don't mourn over the people, Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Like, don't... They're not going to be honored. They're not going to be remembered. They're basically just going to disappear without any honor. Um, but... The hope is, because my favor is not with him. I mean, he actually, in verse 11 through 13, it just gets really bad. I mean, it's straight up. To me, that stuck out as really sad. Uh, Because your fathers have forsaken me, declares the Lord, and have gone after other gods and have served and worshipped them and have forsaken me and have not kept my law, and because you have done worse than your fathers, for behold, every one of you follows his stubborn evil will, refusing to listen to me. Therefore, I will hurl you out of this land into a land that neither you nor your fathers have known, and you shall serve other gods day and night. Yeah. <clears throat> For hurl I will show you, you out of the land. I will show you no favor. Which is like kind of a callback. The hurling you out of the land is a callback to uh, 
uh, Deuteronomy when oh, they were yeah. taking him in. And he's like, uh, remember, the land vomited the Canaanites out, and it'll vomit you out, too, if you do what they did. And that's what's happening. So <clears throat> by the end of this chapter, he's like, uh, I, God wants to make them know his power and mm-hmm. know his might and know his name. And that's what God's always working towards. But, um, man, the brokenness of humanity is a real handful. Yeah. <laughs> so then, uh, <clears throat> chapter 17, the sin of Judah, which goes on, I mean, really, it's pretty bad. I mean, Judah's sin is engraved on their hearts. And they, they basically walk into cursing. Point of a diamond. Yeah. I was like, whoa. That's intense. Basically, they walk into cursing instead of blessing. Yes. Yeah, there's like this amazing, um, almost psalm yeah, yeah, in yeah. here that I was like, whoa. I, I was confused. I was reading it on my uh, iPad. Oh, no. And I was like, wait, did I jump into a psalm? Where am I? And I was like, oh, I'm in Jeremiah. And this is a great little song. It's pretty cool. I mean, he basically says the curse, he almost reapplies blessing and cursing to Psalm 1, I thought, is what it reminded me of. Like, mm-hmm. the tree planted by the rivers of water. Yeah. And he's like, if you're under the curse, you trust in your own strength, therefore you're going to dry oh. up like a shrub without a man water. who trusts in man. Yeah. Like, ugh. And then, blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Because he's pl- like a tree planted by the water. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, he's not anxious in the year of drought and... He does not cease to bear fruit. The verse, though, that hits me is verse 9, where he says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I know. And that's the best way to look at our sinful condition is not always. I mean, certainly we address our individual sins Mm -hmm. where we, uh, those moments when we just decide to walk away from God. But this, Jeremiah sees it as a terminal illness. Yeah, and it's the terminal illness of death, so that we not only are under the threat of death and the fear of death, but death works itself out in us all the time, and that's what sin is. I have a sickness. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I have a fever. So uh, our hearts are sick, Matt, and uh, I need you to focus right now. Oh, okay. The Lord is the fountain of living water. Mm-hmm. Then something we haven't heard in a while: a return to the Sabbath. Yeah, wait. Isn't that interesting? So, again, Jeremiah is in the thick of it, and he's, like, like constantly calling out to God to deliver him now. Yeah. Because he's like, um, <laughs> these people want me dead. Well, yeah, we're about to get to that part. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah, so then he has a quick little prayer for deliverance, personal deliverance, and then, he, uh, then we get into the Lord just being like, hey, if you guys could just keep the Sabbath... You wouldn't have to suffer. <laughs> Honestly, he's like, because the land requires a, a break. But I was just thinking about the Sabbath, you know, because um, conversations of Halloween, because we're in October now uh-huh. as we do it, and just the idea that most of our holidays were kind of in the pagan ritual of things. Like, yes. And so when the Cat- Roman Catholic Church expanded or missionaries went out, they would often take a, a winter solstice celebration that was full of debauchery and horrible idol worship and Christianize it mm-hmm. instead of trying to change the culture and take away those things from people. Right. You know, they, they made it Christian. And, and so then my kids were asking me, so like, what are the real Christian? So it's like Christmas and 
th- that you know those aren't originally mm-hmm. Christian or Jewish ideas. What are our days? And I was like, well, the festivals of the Old Testament. But really, after Christ, it's the Lord's Supper. That's mm-hmm. our feast, and so we feast and remember His resurrection every Sunday. Like as Christians, we're partying fifty-two times a year, right. which is pretty cool. And you think that's our holy day, mm-hmm. and it, but it comes from the idea of uh, seventh day rest. Right. So like in our DNA, all the way back, we celebrate every seventh day, the Sabbath day, and it right. allows the land to rest. Allows, we've had these conversations back in Genesis. Well, it also um, keeps us from the sin of idolatry, which is trusting in the work of our own hands. And so even if he's like, look, if you can just rest for a single day and look to me for right for everything on that one day, we'll be good. Well, think about even... We a, can start there. A church service where we're called together. Mm-hmm. We speak these truths, so we rejoice in our salvation, and we speak the truth to one another. Mm-hmm. Hey, there's a God. Hey, he loves you. And we return to our callings with confidence. It's pretty cool as you think about it. So... Um, so when you find out the origin of all the holiday, holy, holy days, uh, realize they aren't necessarily Christian. They've been Christianized because our holy day is every Sunday. Mm-hmm. So return with confidence. And then he has another assignment for Jerry. Yeah, potter and the clay. Go to the potter's house. And as soon as he gets there, the potter's like reworking a spoiled piece of clay mm-hmm. into another vessel, which is mm-hmm. what God wants him to see. Like, yeah. you've been spoiled, you're ruined, but I am the potter. I can you rework you. Right. He's like, so just tell him, I'm trying to re- rework you guys. And God's being very clear in this mm-hmm. section. And um, be- and then he also gets clear about, like, you know, the abandonment of God's people is unheard of. And we've said this before, but it's like unheard of. Even all the pagan lands are committed to the God of that land. Yes. Like, they don't change midstream, mm-hmm. but our people have changed midstream, and I think it's because, well, we're attacked by the world, the flesh, and the mm-hmm. devil, and, you know, all the, everything is against knowing the real God. Right. And so um, he's just, again, going, oh, repent, please repent, but they refuse to repent, and um, God's going to have to work the spoiled clay into another vessel. Into another vessel, and then he has him go back again. Unless you had anything more on I mean, he'll 18. break, eventually he's going to break the, the yeah. air vessel and it can't be mended. But then you think about how we have been brought in now. Yeah. Gentiles, the mystery is like a reworking of spoiled clay mm-hmm. and it's like really cool. So, yeah. So then he, so has, we're to part go, of something he has to go back to the potter and the Lord, it's like, okay, just buy a flask. Right. And then you're going to break it in front of the leaders and say, oh, yeah. This is. Oh, this is what is happening. Oh, he takes him out to the Valley of Hinnom, the yes. son of Hinnom, where they did the child sacrifice. And he's like, go, take them out there, take the flask, shatter it in front of them, and say, the Lord's going to do that to you right here. And you're going to have to bury, the, there's going to be so many bodies, you're just going to throw them in this valley. So this is what I realized. He does have a voice to the kings, the mm-hmm. priests, and the prophets. And then that's where he does that. Mm-hmm. But they don't receive his message. No. So then as a result, like, so what should have happened was he goes to the king, the priest, the prophets, and then they start to disseminate the same message because right. they recognize the voice of God mm-hmm. and their hearts are towards God. But instead, they just look at him, do nothing. And then so then he has to go out. So then he's standing at the temple gate, which is funny too, like a soapbox preacher in mm-hmm. front of the temple, in front yes. of church. 
And he's telling the people, look, you need to repent because the priests and the prophets aren't. So he has to do it himself. Yeah, do you right. remember, like I never fully understood that. I was just you always just think the prophet kind of travels around, and but really the whole the, the, hierarchy of yeah. disseminating information. Yeah, you say it to the priests and the it's leaders, broken down, and then they go and have to say it to everyone else because they don't believe it. Mm-hmm. And so you go as your prophets and your priests and your kings go. Yes, and so he goes to the, straight to the people, and there is no Wi-Fi, so it's not like he can just go online. He mm-hmm. has to go to where people are. And that's when, uh, to add insult to injury, to, to put a little salt in the wounds, right. the priest, Pashur, yes. gets upset with um, Jeremiah for preaching this in front of the temple, mm-hmm. beats him up. Mm-hmm. Like it, The Bible just says he beats him up and then puts him in stocks for 24 hours to be humiliated. And everyone can see that this guy who was just announcing, so Jeremiah was announcing what the Lord's doing, and now he's humiliated in stocks as a criminal, uh, having been beat up. Right. Yeah, and then uh, when he finally releases Jeremiah, Jeremiah has a a word from the Lord for Pashur. Yes, and says, uh, "Your what does he say? Your name will be terror on every side." Oh no, it's bad news. Basically, he's going to be taken away in exile. His wife, his children. There's going to be no fruitfulness in him. He's done. Yes. So like, and he's in the ministry. So like, Mm -hmm. he announced over this priest, like, "Your fruitfulness is done." Yes. It's really a dark time. And then, um, yeah, he drops the... <laughs> I wrote, he drops a curse on Pashur. Yeah. Because he worked against the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. When you work against God, you already are in cursed territory. Yes. Like, right. It's not even God doing... You're out of You're just light. out. You're yes. in the darkness. You're stumbling. And then, uh, oh man, and Jeremiah look- has this... This... I remember this um, reading from last year. Oh, nice. Like, I this didn't. this one, like, really stuck to me because he... He's like being another honest conversation with God. He's all over the map because I thought at one point it's like he's complaining. Yes. Then he goes, but praise the Lord. I'm like, oh, good. He came out of it. And then I kind of put my reading on autopilot. Uh-huh. And I had to reread that last part because I was like, what yeah. is happening? Yeah. So he's, it's interesting to kind of hear like his reluctance. Like he, he's being honest and saying like, I was reluctant to even speak the words of the Lord, because they're so awful, and but yet they burned within me, and I had no choice. Like it was like a compulsion. I had to, right. I had to speak them, and then finally had relief. But everyone is against me because of these words. It's so important. and it feels like, God, you have tricked me into doing this. Right. And but then he goes, but where it puts me is I'm only can trust in you. There's no one else I can look to for salvation. You got me in this mess, and I can only look to you to get me out of it. All right. And he ends, so he goes, praise the Lord. But then yes. after he says, praise the Lord, I mean, he has like a good four or five verses on, um, cursed be the day on which I was born. Yeah. Like, you should have killed me in the womb. I'm totally... Mm-hmm. So all this says is he is miserable. He is sad. He's alone. He's powerless. But he's voicing all of this to God. Yeah. So you're allowed to lament and be yeah. honest to God. And this is not the first time we've heard people say this. Job yeah. said this, and so did Elijah. Yeah. Jonah did it, but Jonah was kind of a sinful prophet. Yeah. 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 Bad example. Let's stick to Elijah. Elijah's like, oh, just kill me. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, we know because the story will keep going that uh, Jeremiah sticks with it. Yeah. 
But when you're dark, man, take when you're in a dark place, be honest with the Lord. He cares for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Sorry, Jeremiah, it's tough, man. But you're faithful to bring us the message. It just makes me think, too, ministry is not going to always be easy. No. I don't know why we're shocked. I'm shocked when it's hard, and I don't know why, because I'm not familiar enough with the story. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to say things that are hard at times, um, but the comfort should come as we repent, and then we're comforted in God's deliverance. The problem is if we can't make that transition between repentance and then receiving absolution. All right. Where are we in the New Testament today? Our New Testament readings for today are Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 through 18, and 1 Thessalonians chapters 1 through chapter 2, verse 16. Wow, so we got to finish up the wonderful book of Colossians. Colossians! I think uh, we're kind of at the, the point in the message, or the, the letter, where he's wrapping things up, mm-hmm. and... Um, he always just kind of references, there's three things I always see from Paul. Keep praying. Yes. Be watchful and be thankful. Mm-hmm. Like those things will come from you, but I think those things come from praying. Like as you're engaging in prayer, you're thinking about what's going around, mm-hmm. uh, what's going on around you. You're being watchful. You're like concerned. You're giving it to the Lord. You're happy. And then that always, I always feel like uh, a time of prayer leads you to be uh, thankful. Like, thanks, God, for hearing yes. me. Thanks for all this. And then he says, pray that the doors would be open for ministry. Mm-hmm. Again, practical. Pray for us. We're just declaring this. It only works w- with the Holy Spirit. Right. And so we engage in a spiritual, practical thing of prayer. And then walk in wisdom towards outsiders. I thought that was interesting. Like, your speech seasoned with salt. Yeah. And be and, and, like, redeem the time. It's this idea of like, don't waste your time with people who <laughs> don't love the Lord. Like, be be uh, mindful of it. Like, right. we love people and walk in wisdom. So, like, don't walk in a way that would bring disgrace or dishonor to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, use your time wisely when you're outside loving people. Like, just think about think about it. Right. Think about yourself as a little bit of a a representative or a person who declares the mysteries of God. Right. That's all. And so even the way you speak, just think of that and, uh, and be thoughtful, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he uh, goes on to list the basically all-star team he has with, yeah, with, pretty cool. with him. Um, it is interesting. So Onesimus is one of them, and we will learn a little bit more about him in the sweet letter of Philemon. Which is actually, I think, written around the same time as Colossians is because Philemon lived in Colossia and the letter was to him about Onesimus. Nice. I also uh, like the reference to John Mark. Yep. And And Luke. Yeah, if you remember in Acts, he split Barnabas. This is Barnabas' cousin, John Mm -hmm. Mark, and Barnabas split up from Paul. They were kind of a power team. Because Paul's like, I don't trust Mark right now. Mm-hmm. But you find out, oh, Barnabas was related to Mark. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, we'll go this way. And then who was it? It was Paul and Silas. Silas yeah. went who, the other way. Who will be referenced in mm-hmm. the next book, I think. Yep. Um, yeah, so it reminds me of two things. One is that uh, Paul is dedicated to unity. So he made he worked mm-hmm. it out with Mark because he's... he. Uh, 
my fellow prisoner greets you and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Like, he's with, they're together again. Yeah. And then uh, the idea that, you know, you don't do this job, you don't do ministry alone. Right. It's, it's a network of people. But I remember um, even being questioned about, like, we had some people that we were ministering to, some guys, and we're, you know, I was excited oh, yeah. about their mm-hmm. discipleship process, but they couldn't quite understand you. Right. And your role with right. me. And I remember saying, no, it's like Paul and Timothy mm-hmm. and Paul and Bart. Like, you have twos. If you can find guys who are called to ministry and, and you can afford to do it with them, you do that. That's how it goes. Right. And they're like, well, when does he leave? Like, how long is he your f- apprentice here? This, right. this just seems weird. And the, the quote to me was, it seems weird that he's still here after a couple of years. And, I, and I, my response was, no, no, man, I was trying to tell this guy, it's biblical. <laughs> he just wasn't familiar with the story. Right. The biblical idea is that we, we do this together, together because yeah. there's strength in this and we pray for each other and you go crazy when you're on your own. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm reminded of here is Paul is so thankful and he's like, God has given me a few key people right. and they're praying for you and they're just mm-hmm. as good as me and they're, just, and they're representing you and it's really awesome. And by the end of Colossians, uh, what I get is, Paul's ministry, of course, is consistent, but he's saying it's not the abstract ideas. You know, it's it's all about Christ's power and work. Right. He is above all. He's all we need, the one true God and Savior. Not abstract ideas, but this transformative power of God that changes people. And we have all we need in Christ. And, uh, and so pray that we can continue to declare and speak it. And we'll see that even in our own lives as we speak to uh, our friends and relatives, we see the transformative power of God. Woo! We finished another book! I'll mark it on our board. All right, that's so shit. that's the end of Colossians. That's a real song. I don't know. Maybe the yeah. hand job? Is that, is no, that uh, I don't know. Just kidding. We play Let's go anymore. Fest- we won't be able to have commercials. That's true. <laughs> Thessalonians. What a, what a cool little uh, book this is. Uh, I had to refresh and kind of engage, like, what, where is Thessalonica? What mm-hmm. is the deal here? Yeah, yeah. So this is in the Macedonia region that Paul was called to in a vision, mm. and part of uh, Philippi as well. And, like, Philippi, Thessalonica, they, he was on that tour, Berea. And so Thessalonica, he was in that town for three weeks, like preached in the synagogue, got some Jews and a lot of Greeks yeah. on his side, and then then other Jews ran him out, and so they sent him to Berea, and Berea was a sweet little place where the Jews there received him very well and were thoughtful and studying the scriptures with him and were like, oh, this is great. But then the Thessalonica Jews heard out heard that he was in Berea, and so then they had to send him even further out to Athens. Yeah, and so Paul kind of really has this parental vibe mm-hmm. to this letter. Like, he loves them. Because they were looked out for him and protected him. Yeah. Even it, though he was there for probably some of the briefest time. Three weeks or yeah, so. Yeah, it was three weeks. Yeah, it's just cool, too, to connect. Um, so these are the people he references in Acts where he's like, they're super generous. Mm-hmm. Be like them. And then they're an example. That's why he says here, they're an example of faith to everyone. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of actions are louder than words. And so I don't know you as well as I know like the people in Ephesus, but man, your faith speaks so loud and uh, you are enduring all this stuff for me and with me. So he doesn't even have to explain himself to them. Mm-mm. 
Because the other places he's going like, uh, it looks like I'm in jail for being a bad person, but I'm not. He has to kind of prove that he's an apostle. Right. Here he's like, you guys saw it happen. Right. Well, then the idea is he just, I just see this nurturing. Mm-hmm. That's that's the first chapter or two, really. He does talk about like um, waiting for God. So he's like at the end, he goes... Um, you guys turned from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So he's going to give like practical wisdom for them while they, while they endure suffering. And I just remember, uh, or as do some more reading, the early church always expected Jesus' return quickly. So, yes, they did. But then as you think about it, and the older I get, every, I think every age expects expects Jesus to come back. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, my thing was, even if you remember back in Genesis, I think Adam and Eve were expecting their offspring yeah. to save them and get them back. And because the older I get, the more I realize every generation sees things change. Mm-hmm. And what they knew gets kind of turned upside down in some way. And it feels like it's just, it's going to give birth to chaos and mm-hmm. destruction. Like, as I get older and see how people are thinking now and what the internet's doing mm-hmm. to people, and I'm like, we're not going to make it. But I remember <laughs> older people in the 80s going, we're not going to make it. In the right. 60s, like, there's eminent, like, World War Three. We're not going to make it. Like, right. And I just think everyone's going, can this world of death get any worse? Mm-hmm. Jesus is going to come back. And the reality is, he is going to come back. And uh, the capacity of his grace and patience is way bigger than we imagine. And the capacity yeah. of the death at work in us is way bigger and greater than we can imagine. Mm-hmm. His forgiveness is greater, and his and his uh, and the judgment is greater. It's kind of scary. So I do want to say the 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 themes in Thessalonica are uh, beware false teachers, mm-hmm. and so the, there is this idea or not idea reality uh, during Paul's time where. People would, it was like almost like con artists, right. like relig- religious oh, yeah. teachers would go around and basically peddle this new twist of religion and get people to like basically like start GoFundMe accounts. Yes. Uh, but like, look, the part of this new religion. And they were really just money making schemes and they were con artists and conning people out of their money. And they would usually target uh, women, uh, rich women, to because they were just around and available and so paul is going hey i just want you guys to know remember we weren't false like we were consistent we didn't ask for money and we were doing this because we we know this is real that's right he says god is my witness Mm -hmm. and they worked day and night alongside of you right yeah the idea of counterfeit i mean it's the Mm -hmm. same as today there's people and, and even within like we used to say televangelists right where um, there's people claiming mm-hmm. things just to make money. Yeah, so that was like a big one. Just like look out for that. And then the one he hasn't addressed fully yet, but has kind of hinted about the waiting of Jesus, waiting for Jesus to come, is when is Jesus going to come and right. what's that going to be like? And actually within First and Second Thessalonians, we get probably the clearest um, answers on yeah. like end time stuff. Right, and um, because of that, it's also been confused. Yes. So, but then we'll get to that in the following chapters in the next couple of days, right? Yeah. Anything um, 
Yeah, I, I think that's chapter two where he's like, look, mm-hmm. we weren't here for flattery, greed, or glory, yeah. uh, and we weren't a burden to you. I want to be like a father to you. And this, right. is, this inspired me today to be a shepherd to the, my people. He was like, oh, you know, like he's sh- checking in and just shepherding and making mm-hmm. sure that they're eating good grass and drinking clean water because right. he loves them so much. Yeah, and I think um, what what is interesting is I'm pretty sure the one topic he doesn't repeat in this one is unity. Yeah. Because I, I think he's actually like reading his thankfulness for them. Yes. I think he's like, somehow I was with you guys for three weeks and you guys got you know why? a lot of this Because stuff. of disaster. Disaster brings us together. Yeah. When there's a hurricane, you get with your neighbors. And I think being persecuted intensified the few weeks he had yeah. there. Because you know how it is. You, right. you endure something like that with people. Right. You're, you're buddies for life. That's right. I forgot. The part of the story was this guy Jason led him into the house and... Uh, they couldn't get Paul, so they grabbed Jason and put right. him in, in like a trial and accused him of like being against Caesar. And so the church, from its just by being like just Connected a guy, to Jason, yeah, like from letting Paul stay in his house, was immediately persecuted. So yeah, you're probably right. So like the, the, they were like, we have to be united, or else this thing's gonna the fail. The notion of unity is always strongest mm-hmm. after. A yeah. tragedy or person, and if persecution's there, so yeah, you're right. He doesn't have to go like you guys be together. Yeah. Everyone else is having to deal with that. Yeah, and they were, and then they're the generous ones too. So they were ready to give to the cause. They're like, what do we have true. to do? So unity is not a problem. It's just doctrinal stuff that he didn't have time to give them anyways. Yeah. So he writes these short little letters. And to that's him. true. He touches these things. He must have spoke uh, about it to the other places. Uh-huh. He didn't need to write about it. Right. He understood that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's our New Testament for today. Our psalm for today will be Psalm 118, verses 17 through 29. I shall not die, but I shall live, and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them, and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.